Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Cats HQ Podcast. It is uh, certainly a newsy one coming up. Uh, we had planned a podcast for today, Friday afternoon. Just your normal weekly thing, talking about uh, Kentucky and Missouri the next day. Maybe how Kentucky had won on the road at Arkansas and, and had finally turned that corner. And what was it going to mean for these last three games in the regular season and then heading to the SEC tournament? Well, forget all that. Um, as of today, Friday... February 23rd, Kentucky has officially been tied to the FBI investigation into the college basketball recruiting scandal for the first time. Uh, So early this morning, like around 6 a.m., Yahoo Sports dropped a big story uh, detailing uh, what they had seen from hundreds of pages of documents that were as part of the discovery uh, files in this FBI investigation. They're not clear on how they got them or where they got them from. Uh, but they de- uh, detail Andy Miller's, the NBA agent involved, uh, a lot of his dealings. And then Christian Dawkins, one of his associates, one of the guys who was arrested in the original FBI investigation. He's the guy who was kind of caught up in this Brian Bowen thing that Louisville was involved in or allegedly involved in. Uh, so he was, uh, it was Andy Miller and Christian Dawkins, some more documents about them. A bunch of current players are involved. A bunch of former players are involved. There are three Kentucky players that were mentioned in the documents. Kevin Knox, uh, current freshman. Bam Adebayo, who was a freshman last year and now plays for the Miami Heat. Uh, and then Nerlens Noel, to a lesser extent, obviously played on that 2012-13 team uh, and now has been in the NBA for several years. Uh, and it appears that maybe the payment that was made to him uh, may have happened after he left Kentucky, so we don't know if that would affect his time at Kentucky at all. So the big two big issues are Kevin Knox now, who is alleged to have met with or shared a meal with Christian Dawkins, which on its own is not a violation. It's whether it's a violation as to whether if Christian Dawkins played for the, or paid, sorry, for the meal, uh, and if Kevin Knox or his family did not reimburse him on that. Kevin Knox's father has denied that that meeting ever took place uh, to a couple media outlets now, SEC Country First. Uh, and then the other issue is Bam Adebayo is alleged to have taken two different payments in the documents, uh, one for $12,000, I think one for just around $36,000. Uh, the $12,000 payment is on a document dated December 2015, 2016, one of those year, uh, year 2015. Uh, and Bam obviously would not have been in Kentucky yet. He would have uh, still been an amateur at that point. So that's the big question. Uh, that's the brief rundown of what's happened. I'm sure you've uh, heard it all by now, and you can check out courier-journal.com for the specific details. But obviously, let's start there, Fletcher. The news of the day Immediately was Kevin Knox. We had a regular scheduled press conference with John Calipari. He said he expects Knox to play against Missouri. Let's start with Kevin. Uh, what do you make of what we learned today, and what do we still need to find out? Right. Well, it's a situation where clearly Kevin is the most important piece of this information because he's playing on the current team. Um, if he if his eligibility has been compromised, then obviously Kentucky could have to um, vacate previous games that he played in, and, and he would not be able to play moving forward, one or the other, or both. So, Calipari, John Calipari came out for a press conference. Uh, Dwayne Peavy um, said before Calipari spoke uh, that they basically could not offer any extra information, and they still did get a lot of questions yeah. about just the whole thing in general. But I think the specific one that needed to be answered was, is Kevin going to play against Missouri? And Calipari basically said that he thought so. Yeah, he said there was no reason not to. Right. Unless there was something he didn't know about that pops up between now and tomorrow. Uh, As we record this, he will play. And then Dwayne Peavy uh, interjected or answered or whatever and said, 
once again, there's nothing, no additional information we have at this time that you don't already know in the right. statements they put out earlier in the day. Right. I, I think my significant other still loves me yeah. unless there's something that I don't know about. Exactly. So uh, I, I get it. Uh, they've got to say these things. I found it a little odd, though, that Cal Perry said that he has yet to speak to Kevin. Yeah, which, that was weird. Which I, I guess that is just sort of protecting himself for the press conference they knew would be coming. So he doesn't have to answer questions about a conversation that they didn't have happen. Yeah. And he also said he hadn't spoken to the team yet, but he was about to go. So the press conference was conveniently timed to where he was going to go meet with the team after the press conference. That, that's in fairness, that's how it normally right. is uh, on these pregame press conferences. But uh, of a newsworthy day, you might have thought that he was asked if he had met with the team. He said no. If he had met with Kevin, he said no. Did he think it was a distraction? He said, I don't know. I haven't talked to them right. yet. Uh, so you thought you might have guessed that some of these conversations would have happened before he stepped in front of the cameras, but it was clear that after they issued the statements in the afternoon from President Eli Capaluto, Athletics Director Mitch Barnhart, and John Calipari, uh, that that was going to be their statement on the day. Uh, and I and I applied them for coming out still because if, if he had canceled the press conference at that point knowing that this was all he was going to get asked about, then it's a really bad look. So he at least showed up. Uh, he you know entertained probably five or six questions where he didn't really answer, but people asked and, and made their best uh, attempt to try to get some more information. It didn't really work. He did get some Missouri questions after that. Uh, but for now, this is kind of UK says we, we've told you what we know. And, and when we know more and when, we, when it's appropriate time to do so, we will share that information as well. So the question is whether Kevin is going to play against Missouri. Uh, we think he is. Does that put it to bed, though, for Kentucky fans this year or this, this element of the story? At least? I think it does for, for Kevin. If he plays, that means Kentucky has done their due diligence. They feel confident enough that he did not compromise his eligibility and moves forward. But. I just want to use the two other current players who were named, uh, Duke's Wendell Carter, Alabama's Colin Sexton. Uh, now, this was it might have been a different scenario, but uh, Alabama suspended Colin Sexton, Colin Sexton earlier this season for, the ex- for one exhibition game and their season opener, and he was also made to pay restitution for a meal that was provided to him um, by what might have been somebody that's not involved in this meal. Supposedly. Right, so that's not necessarily Dawkins, but, right. but it we don't know. But it does show that Alabama— It's a similar allegation. It's a similar it. allegation, and it showed that Alabama knew about it or found out about it, and they addressed it. They were proactive. They were heads up early and got it out of the way. Because it, the, the bylaw, the NCAA bylaw pertaining to this is, is if you receive a benefit that is $100 or less, uh, you just have to pay back to a charity or make restitution— and you're you're good to go. So Alabama clearly handled that situation, and I would imagine that if Collins, if 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 they knew about that, then they probably would have known about another right. meal too, or at least would have asked about it. Yeah, that's one of those where you say, okay, we took care of this one. Is there anything else we should know right. about? So Alabama, that's a that's how Alabama handled it. Duke came out very strongly today and said that they'd already looked into the matter with Carter and that they felt confident about his eligibility. So it is a little um, obvious that of those three schools, Kentucky's the one that has not been proactive early or they haven't of late come out really strong and saying that Kevin Knox is good to go. Also Wade Baldwin, who uh, is in the NBA now, but was at Vanderbilt last year, I think as a freshman, uh, was on the same list of players who uh, either met with or had a meal with Christian Dawkins. Uh, and he came out with a statement through the Trailblazers, I think is where you're at now, and said, yes, uh, I met with him as I met with many, many agents and my family did as we were trying to make this determination. Uh, as to who was going to represent me at, at the NBA, which, once again, is not a violation. He said, I did not accept any meals from anyone. No one paid for a meal at any of these meetings, uh, let alone this one with, with Christian Dawkins. And so that was kind of the approach he took, whereas Kevin Knox's father 
uh, in the interview with SEC Country and a couple other places now has adamantly said that he does not know Andy Miller or Christian Dawkins and has never met with them. And I think he said, wouldn't know him if they walked up to me in the grocery store or whatever. Uh, so that's a different take all the, altogether. So it's also probably worth noting that in the Yahoo story, I think there are four screenshots or uploaded images of documents in, in the allegations that they uh, put in the actual story file on the website. Uh, it, they said they looked at hundreds of other pages, but the, the four pages they put uh, are this December 2016 uh, or 2015, sorry, uh, balance sheet from Andy Miller. That's the one that has a $12,000 payment to Bam Adebayo on it. And a bunch of other players, that's the one that has the Nerlens Noel payment, which obviously he's a professional at that, at that time. Uh, and then they put two pages of an expense report from Christian Dawkins that had several of these meetings that they mentioned in there. But Kevin Knox was not one of the meetings that's actually in the documents that we've seen from Yahoo. You know, presumably they had those documents somewhere else. And they just didn't upload them in the story. Uh, but it's not clear as to whether the meeting was with Kevin, whether it was with his family, whether it was with someone claiming to be in, in league with Kevin Knox or close to Kevin Knox. It's not clear if it was a meeting or if it was a meal. It's not clear who paid for the meal. Uh, so there's still a bunch of questions there. Uh, and there's certainly some ambiguity as to what the specific allegations are against Kevin Knox. Uh, but for now, uh, Kentucky appears pretty confident that he's going to be able to play, uh, and there's not an issue there, which I think is a, as big a vote of confidence as you could get as a fan for the this specific part of the story about this team and whether the 19 wins or whatever that Kevin has played in this year so far were at risk. Uh, as of now, I think it's safe to say that, that we don't think that that is the biggest issue from the story for Kentucky today. Not yet. This morning when the story first broke, it was, is Kevin going to be yeah, eligible? Was, that's the question. And it does seem, let's take Cal Perry at his word here, and let's say that Kevin plays against Missouri. Um, then that puts that to bed in my mind. What you're now worried about if you're a Kentucky fan is, if when did Bam Adebayo receive this payment? Um, there was It was a little bit... Um, I'll, re- and, I'll just go ahead and read the, yeah. the paragraph here from the Yahoo story. A listing refers to BAM in all caps, B-A-M, for $12,000 and is later identified in the documents as Idris BAM Adebayo, who went on to play at Kentucky in 2016-2017. He did not sign with ASM, which is the agency that Andy Miller represented. There is a later reference to Adebayo that says he received $36,500. Bad loan, reads the document next to it. BAM did not sign with this agency afterwards. So the inference there is, is bad loan because they didn't get him. We don't know if that's what it means, but that's kind of the the leap that people are making. So the question becomes, uh, this balance sheet is dated December 31st, 2015. Uh, Bam Adebayo, the first one, the $12,000 payment is on there. uh, And the second page says 2017 draft, not signed, bad loan. Uh, Bam Adebayo is one of those players. That's what it says uh, about a few guys here who are alleged so if the payment was made in de- before December 2015, as the date on this document is, he'd be and recruit. it's true, he'd be a recruit, uh, and it would be a big deal for his eligibility. And then presumably, if it's proven, if the NCAA gets involved, which is the other question here, these are FBI documents, we don't know if the NCAA is ever even going to get these documents, uh, or what they're going to do with them, or how long it's going to take, or when they're going to be there. But let's say that it is true, and that the NCAA does get the documents, and they find out that, that BAM took this money, and he wasn't eligible, then you would think the, the I think, 31 wins from Kentucky last season uh, would be at risk because Bam Adebayo would, would have been an ineligible player that was playing in those games. It's the same thing that happened with Marcus Camby for John Calipari in 1996, and that's why UMass had to vacate that season uh, and their Final Four appearance. Right, and so somebody for me um, 
obviously I'm not, I don't have any ties to Kentucky and I'm not, I don't have any fandom in me. So I say, you know what, if this is such a bombshell, you've just seen what happened to the University of Louisville. They've had a, they've had a national championship banner come down. also lost a final four. Uh, they had a coach get fired, an athletic director lose his job. Uh, they had, uh, that wasn't my choice of music. That was John's. <laughs> those, those are the autoplay ads on our Courier Journal videos. Right. There. So you've seen bombshell and fallout at your in-state rival. Uh, to have to vacate some things uh, that you know, there, there's no banner interrupt to for this season. It was a great season in an Elite Eight, but but I understand sort of Kentucky basketball more than any other school. It's steeped in history. Those wins mean a lot because, as you wrote, yeah. So I think the the kind of prevailing sentiment I saw on Twitter mostly this morning after these allegations came out is, you know, a little sigh of release. Nobody, no one listed was on the 2011 team that went to the final four. Right. No one was listed on the 2012 team that won a national championship. No one was listed on the 2014 team that went to the national championship game. So if you're going to have to vacate something, your final fours and your national titles are safe. Where this comes into play for Kentucky fans more than anyone else, obviously, is the pride that the program and the fans and everyone else takes in being able to say we are the winningest program in college basketball history. We're number one on the on the wins list. Uh, so Kentucky, in, uh, currently as of today, Friday, is 2,256 wins, which is 17 above Kansas, uh, which is also mentioned. Josh Jackson's mother is, is mentioned in this in this document. Uh, North Carolina has 22-28. Duke has 21-38. Those are the other two programs over 2,000. All four of those programs have at least one player mentioned in this report from Yahoo Sports on Friday, uh, and presumably there are many more players and, and agents or whatever involved in the other thousands of pages of documents that we have not seen and that even Yahoo has not seen at this point as far as we know. So the question becomes then, is Kentucky's spot at number one on the all-time wins list in jeopardy? Uh, and I think it's way just, just way too early to know because as we know right now, uh, let's say Kentucky did have to vacate last season. Uh, then you lose the 32. It's 32 games that they won last year with Bam out of Iowa playing. He played in all 32 of those wins. Well, that would put them behind Kansas. But then you have to consider, okay, well, Kansas, um, Josh Jackson, his mother is alleged to have taken a payment from Christian Dawkins in this story. Well, he played in 31 wins for Kansas last year. Well, then does Kansas have to vacate those 31 wins? Well, then you're back basically where you're at now. T- uh, Tony Bradley, who was a North Carolina player last year, uh, played in 31 North Carolina wins, uh, including the national championship game. And then Wendell Carter, Duke, obviously has played 23 wins this season. They're on the same list as Kevin Knox, as guys who have met with or had meals with Christian Dawkins. Obviously, Duke has already said there's no eligibility issue there. We don't know about North Carolina. We haven't heard from them yet. So all these programs are kind of at risk. But the worry, I think, now is even if Kevin Knox is cleared, so you're not worried about the 19 wins this year, well, then Wendell Carter's cleared, so Duke's not going to lose any wins from this specific set of allegations. Uh, and if Tony Bradley also didn't do anything, as, as Wade Baldwin, who's a guy in the same situation, said last year, uh, then North Carolina's not there. But it's getting closer then at that point if Kentucky had to vacate an entire season and these other programs didn't, uh, what that wins list would be at risk. And I think that's something that Kentucky fans would actually care about a lot. Right. And I, I think that ultimately for John Calipari, uh, this would be his the third institution he's coached at at the college level. Yep. He would have had he's had he would have had vacated wins at all three places, and for three, two of the three similar scenarios, Marcus yep. Camby was sports agent related. Yep. Uh, Derek Rose had eligibility issues related to his uh, entry in at to the college level. Yeah, his SAT score was invalidated, but he claims he still claims to this day he did not do anything wrong. He did not you know 
have someone else take his SAT or whatever. Uh, they still vacated those wins because it's he technically right. didn't have an eligible score. Uh, but yeah, three three issues for Cal Perry. Uh, two Final Four seasons. He obviously had to vacate at UMass and Memphis. Uh, this one would not be a Final Four, but it right. would be three and three. And and clear. It's very important to note if we haven't made this clear yet that uh, in the original round of FBI allegations that came out in the fall, the one that Louisville and, and cost Rick Pitino his job and cost Tom Jurts his job, um, those had specific ties where college coaches, assistant coaches, head coaches, whatever programs were working with the shoe companies and with the agents to funnel these kids' monies to specifically get them to come to their program. The stuff that came out today on Friday has none of that in terms of involvement of college coaches or college staffs. It's just about whether this agent, Andy Miller, and his associate, Christian Dawkins, gave money specifically to players. So if it was just that Bam Adebayo took money from an agent who wanted him to be his client, that doesn't have anything to do with John Calipari. It doesn't have anything to do... Uh, with Kentucky as its recruiting or its university. It doesn't mean, though, that those wins would still not be in jeopardy. That's what happened with Marcus Campy. So it would be three issues for Calipari uh, where rules violations cost him wins, but he didn't have any direct tie to each of them. That's not going to fly, though, for all his detractors, and there are obviously many of them out there, uh, and right. this reputation he has overall. Yeah, it would, it, would be, it would continue the only coach that's had two Final Fours vacated. Now you could extend that to... Only coach that's had two Final Fours and an Elite Eight vacated at three different places. I mean, that, that, that kind of stuff is – it's some of the first comments that you get anytime something comes up about Calipari, and it, it's factually correct. So, yeah, Well, now he has company with the uh, multiple Final well, Fours vacated thing as of this week. Right. Patino. So, yeah. with Patino. Um, but for me, the biggest takeaway is this now, and I don't know how much we're going to be able to find out, but that's our job as reporters is to try to figure this out is like the, the, the issue that I see in this report is how can an institution, Kentucky, Duke, um, any old Miss, any basketball program, how can they make sure that outside influences like sports agents, um, boosters, um, I don't know who else could be involved that's shoe outside companies. shoe company. Yeah. How, how can you, how can you stay away from something like this if you don't even know who it is or where it's coming from? Right. And so that's the question that Kentucky and all these institutions are going to have to figure out moving forward is, is, is so Alabama was obviously out in front. Was that it was conversations they'd have with Colin Sexton? Yep. Um, it, will Kentucky change its approach? I mean, I would imagine it's really easy to never ask the question so you never know. And if you never know, then that's one approach. That's one way around some certain things. But now, I mean, would you rather get out in front of it when these kids enroll in June or when preseason starts in October? You sit down and say, is there anything that in your background that maybe we need to know about? Did you play in an all-star game where you might have received something? Did, did, did you have a meal with an agent? Did, uh, did some guy uh, take you out to dinner when you were on an unofficial visit to Lexington? Things like that, maybe you need to know about, get out in front of it, take care of it early. Because if there's one thing we found out, the NCAA – like I mentioned with Colin Sexton, if you're proactive, you get out in front of it, it seems to be handled a lot better for you in the long run than if you try to plead ignorance and sort of escape by it. Which is interesting, too, because a lot of Louisville fans and Louisville media are making the argument this week that Louisville's biggest uh, mistake in the whole well, that's true. hooker process and, and scandal with the, uh, the you know, whatever you want to call them, hookers, prostitutes, uh, stripper gate, whatever, was that they cooperated and they tried to punish themselves and it didn't work. So you should just... Deny, 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 and and not help and not uh, not facilitate, and maybe you end up getting off like North Carolina did, or whatever else happens in these situations. So, 
different schools of thoughts. You, I thought it was eligibility issues uh, for former Kentucky Calipari players. Uh, they, we, we do know that many of these guys, it takes until, you know, sometimes, you know, days or weeks before the start of the season to finally get cleared from the clearinghouse. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that happens a lot with these uh, players who are one and done and five-star recruits and All-Americans, and you're getting lots of people, so there are more factors involved. Uh, John Wall was a guy who at Kentucky uh, missed two games, was suspended for an exhibition game and a regular season game. Uh, and had to pay back $800 for expenses incurred on unofficial visits while he was a high school recruit. Those weren't to Kentucky, but, but he you know, got some money on an unofficial visit, which is makes it an official visit, and so you can't do it all. But he paid the money back, sat out two games, one regular season game. That was the end of it. Uh, that's the same kind of violation that this would be if, if someone paid for Kevin Knox's meal. Uh, and the actual letter of the rule uh, that, that's in the NCAA rulebook is basically um, – that the timing is 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 when the university or the institution finds out about it is when he's ineligible or whatever. So from the time he finds out about it, Kentucky knows that it happens. Then they have to hold him out of competition until whatever needs to be done to get him reinstated. Uh, so Kentucky officially knows about it today if it was true. Uh, so if he plays tomorrow, then you would think that there's not an issue here or whatever's going on. Uh, but the ignorance part of this that you mentioned, uh, pleading ignorance or whatever – is an interesting strategy, uh, and we'll see how far that goes uh, with Calipari and specifics. Uh, it'll be interesting in the coming days to see if he talks to Bam Adebayo, who was just here on campus uh, the last last game. He was the celebrity Y. He was in the All-Star break and uh, came to visit Calipari and all his friends and, uh, and all those other situations. Uh, we'll see how this happens. I'm interested to see how Cal plays it. It's going to be a storyline for the rest of the season. It's going to be a storyline in the summer and probably for the next year. Uh, until we, we learn more about this investigation, until these things start going to trial and there are going to be more documents coming out and more leaks and more news. Uh, it's not going away anytime soon. Uh, so Cal's going to have to come up with some sort of strategy for it. And especially if this team uh, has turned the corner like we thought they had this week and are going to make a run in the tournament uh, as the more national media shows up, as he does these big press conferences at NCAA tournament weekends and Elite Eights and the Final Four if they were to get there, which seems unlikely, but you never know. Uh, this is going to be the only thing people are talking about at those events, and he's going to have to get it over and over and over again. So Kentucky's going to have to come up with a strategy on how to do this because what they did today is understandable because they're kind of just learning about it, and they put out their statements, and this is what we know. That's not going to work, though, in these big rooms, and you're not going to just be able to sit up there and say, uh, we've said all we're going to say, and we don't know anything else. Right, and we're getting to the point in the season where they're going to be on national stages in St. Louis for the SEC tournament and then moving on to the NCAA tournament. I do think, though, the bigger discussion will be uh, how how much does this change the way the perception of the game? Obviously, one and done has been much criticized, right. especially recently. There's a lot of pressure and, and thought that to get that rule changed. I don't necessarily think the NBA wants to change it. Uh, it yeah, it seemed like Adam Silver backed off. Right. I mean, he's been the guy leading the charge recently to say it's not working, they need to do something else. But I think his most recent comments around the All-Star game were basically, eh, maybe. We well, if, you're, if you've got if you're an NBA team and you have scouts that now have, might, might have to start scouting sophomores, juniors in high school again yeah. aggressively, I'm sure they already know about these right. guys. But if you have to go to a high school gym and see a junior – uh, it changes the fact that giving buying them an extra year in college and being able to evaluate them against you know elite competition. So I don't necessarily think the NBA wants to change this rule, but it's clear what has created this. It's that you have a very talented group of 
future professionals yep. and you have people who are desperate to represent them because there's a lot of money at stake yep. and there's this one thing in between there. It's that season that they technically have to spend. I know that they could go overseas or they could go to the G League, but for, for the most part, the majority of these players are going to go to college and you're you're dealing with a lot of money involved. So I, I think that this is sort of an economy that was, that was created by one and done. Yeah, I think it's certainly... Uh, exacerbated or multiplied or whatever, but it is worth 22 years ago. Yeah, now. Marcus Nine, Camby. Marcus Camby. I mean, he was a junior at this right. time, but he was a guy who was clearly going to go pro at the end of the year, and, mm-hmm. and the light was at the end of the tunnel, and it was going to be a very high draft pick, and so he became a commodity for these agents. Right. And who knows what, if it's going to be. I mean, if they got rid of one and done, then maybe it would just be the guy who was here for two years and, and developed into a good player. I think it would definitely decrease the number, though, overall. I think the money would still be exchanging hands. Uh, Maybe the question becomes, and I've seen this several places today, these uh, violations appear to be so widespread. Uh, If every person who is alleged to have gotten money from an agent and just what we saw today from Yahoo actually did, and then you factor in the fact that the idea that there are thousands of other pages of documents sitting in the FBI office somewhere or sitting in some attorney general's office or whatever as part of this investigation. And if those were ever to come out and you could see dozens upon dozens of programs that might be implicated, that might have the same question about, is this season going to be vacated? How does the NCAA handle this knowing that it's maybe going to be year or years until they even start the investigations. And they frankly just don't have the manpower to investigate 50 programs at the same time for the same rules violations. What do they do? Is this the thing that kind of gets, you know, breaks the the tide or whatever and makes them say, okay, we just got to start from scratch. We got to start paying these guys. We got to start giving them what they're worth uh, and see where we go from there. I think this may be it. I think this may be the thing that finally gets widespread major significant changes to the NCAA and how it works uh, in terms of compensating players moving forward. It's such a nuanced thing, though, because we're used to, or at least I am, where you say, what's cheating in college athletics? Well, it's paying a player to come right. to a school. That's what we've been accustomed to in the past. Um, obviously, Marcus Camby is not exactly like that. But uh, this this is a different realm where, again, I come back to how could Kentucky possibly govern this? Yeah. How, how could they How could they – not try to stop this, but how do you best work with this system where you know that these agents, yeah. it's not illegal for these agents to meet. Right. But how, how can you know what agents might have left in a car or might have picked up at the dinner table? Right. I mean, it's just impossible to know. Yeah, and I, I don't know that there is an answer. I don't know that there's a way to get around it. And I saw someone today, again, uh, kind of put forward the Olympic model where guys could get money for their likeness or endorsements mm-hmm. or whatever, and maybe that's a way around it, hopefully. Uh, I mean, I think it's clear at this point they should be getting compensated for something with the amount of money that everyone else is making off of them. Uh, and it's frankly hard to blame some right. of these people. Uh, if if you're in a situation where you come from an impoverished background, uh, if your family's not well-to-do, if you're not wealthy and you have this talent and you know in a year or two years or whatever you're going to be making millions and millions of dollars, to take a loan from somebody who wants to do it, I mean, that's not technically illegal except in the term of NCAA violations. And it's really hard to blame those guys for doing it. Uh, and so I think they've got to f- come up with some sort of situation to, to figure out what's going on. Now, if there's more to this, if it turns out that there are Kentucky coaches or Duke coaches or Kansas or whoever else, they get tied up in this investigation for the same things that Louisville's coaches were uh, were involved or allegedly involved in, that 
some of the other schools have been tied to where they were directly trying to kind of funnel money to get them to come to Kentucky. I think that's a different conversation altogether yes. and who's taking care of whatever. But if it's the agents and it's the players getting the money, it seems very hypocritical for me for the NCAA to be to to stamp their foot down and say this is what is, is wrong with basketball. These guys are finally getting money. The issue is that they're not getting money in the first place when they should be. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. But it's a huge conversation that's going to be happening. Uh, and Calipari is such a big big ID guy, and he's and he's been the one leading the charge for years about you know kind of moving away from the NCAA and super conferences and. Uh, autonomy from the power five and all those kind of things uh, with him, his program directly kind of tied up into it. I don't know that we're going to hear him, you know, espouse his ideas on these greater issues at, uh, while this is still an investigation, but uh, over the next weeks and months, especially in the tournament and those, some kind of some big picture rooms or whatever, I would be interested to see what he thinks are the solutions here. Uh, and now, uh, and whether or not Kentucky is tied up in it at all. Yeah, today was a bit of a madhouse. I think there was at least 50 reporters there, m- many more cameras than we're used to, and there's always a lot of people there. Right. And uh, I, I understand why Calipari didn't speak much, obviously with a game coming up that's at the forefront. But you're right, maybe down the road. Um, I was able to catch Calipari at, Col- at Colorado last summer. I thought he was yeah. a little bit more open to talking about things in a, in a bigger scale. Maybe uh, when the team maybe potentially takes their trip to, to the Bahamas, uh, after he gets on the beach for a little bit, yeah. he'll feel like talking about some of these in a broader and broader scope. Yeah, I think the first the first real test of this is going to be um, maybe I mean it's going to be a test next week, even when we're a few days removed from it, and he has his press conference and he doesn't have the deputy athletic director standing over mm-hmm. his his shoulder saying, you know, we don't have anything else to add at this point. Uh, if if we try again to maybe get some, I had some things I wanted to ask him today just in relation to, to what happened at Louisville earlier this week before we even knew any about the thing about this. And, and it didn't, you know, it wasn't organic and it didn't come up because this obviously was dominating the day in the news. But we ask Calipari big question, big picture questions all the time. When he gets to the NCAA tournament, though, I don't think it's going to happen in St. Louis, the SEC tournament, because he only speaks after games in those at those press conferences. But when you get to those day before press mm-hmm. conferences in the NCAA tournament game, He's going to get all sorts of questions that are kind of off the wall. I remember last year, one of the questions was, and, and I think I asked him, or it was a, a storyline throughout the tournament, is what do you think about the grad transfer rule? Because he had come out against it, and this was a thing that we were worried about and talking. He gets questions like that all the time, especially if they were to make the Final Four. There are so many national reporters there and so many media outlets writing about the issues of the sport, and there is no issue in the sport that is more important right now, college basketball specifically, than this recruiting violation or this recruiting investigation and what's going on. Uh, and everyone at the final four is going to get asked about it. Uh, it should be noted that UK players were not available for interviews today as they normally are before the the game, which is understandable. Uh, they suppose, I guess they will be after tomorrow's game, Missouri. Uh, will they get asked about it? Uh, they all got asked on media day. We, we revisit those comments today of Kevin Knox, who is very adamant about, I didn't take money. It's not why you come to Kentucky. You come to make it to the league. Uh, nobody, there was nobody else offered me money. And then our columnist, Tim Sullivan jokes that, you know, well, you need a better agent at the time Mm -hmm. because some of these other guys are, and he doubled down on it. So they've been asked about it before, but as this goes along at the tournament, they're going to ask about it more. And when do we talk to Kevin Knox next? That's my other question. Do they make him available for the rest of the season? I don't know. Maybe they won't. If he has 40 points tomorrow against Missouri and leads them to a win, is he available after the game? I doubt it, but you never know. So these are going to, it's going to be, the issue is not going away anytime soon. Uh, and and we're going to have to see how Kentucky handles it. 
It's a big opportunity for Kevin in the long run, though. Yeah. Uh, he wants to be a lottery pick. I think he's in the discussion, rightfully so. Um, we've seen you see with Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, all these guys. There's always some sort of quote unquote adversity going yeah. on with those guys. We'll see how Kevin plays against Missouri. Uh, right, real quick before we finish, uh, bringing it kind of back to the court. Uh, one of the questions Cal got today that he did not answer because he said he had not spoken to the team is, do you think this is a distraction for your current team and your current players, and Kevin in particular? He said, I don't know. I didn't talk to him. But Fletcher, do you think it is a distraction for this team and Kevin in particular moving forward? Obviously, this team has not been great at handling adversity for most of the year, and and it's got all these other issues going on that it's kind of working through, and it feels like they finally kind of hit a stride here with the win at Arkansas and, uh, and the win last week. Is this going to be something that derails them again, uh, or are they mentally and you know you know strong enough at this point to overcome this kind of issue and put it to the side? Well, I think it's clearly a distraction because anything that deviates from the norm just freaks out coaches and everything. And this is such a young team, and they've tried to claim in the past that they don't read anything, but they they do, and they've made mention of of, of reading stories that we've written during their losing streak. I do I do want to point out though. There's always something going on. Missouri right now, they're talking about Michael Porter Jr. Yep. Uh, the the last Missouri game uh, where Missouri won for the first time against Kentucky, Kevin Knox was terrible. Yep. Uh, the fans were giving him grief on the road because he had taken a recruiting visit there. There's always something going on. Now, this is obviously a little bit yeah. ramped up, but I'm a, I'm a believer that you can be distracted, and then once the ball is tipped, you're going to play, and you've got two teams coming in. They've got a lot of stuff going on for different reasons. And uh, we'll see how it, we'll see how it goes. I don't think that this is a quote unquote derail moment. Yeah, I think it's a good thing for them that they're playing at home tomorrow, yeah. and then they're playing at home again on Tuesday against a bad Ole Miss team. So you get a couple games to work into it. If they were playing at Florida tomorrow, and knowing that the the Florida crowd would probably just go all in on Kevin Knox and these right. things, I would think it would be a serious concern. Maybe in a week you could work through some kinks and and before you go on that road road atmosphere, but they were probably going to lose that game anyway because they just haven't been great on the road other than this Arkansas game this week in West Virginia, maybe. So we'll see how it's going to happen. Obviously, we've mentioned several times it's not going away anytime soon. There are many, many more storylines to cover and to explore uh, in the coming days and weeks and months. Uh, we will have it all blown out at courier-journal.com. Make sure you go there right now. I think we've got somewhere between eight and ten stories about this the, the allegations today and what it means for Kentucky and what it means uh, for college basketball in general. Read all that. Uh, follow Fletcher on Twitter at Fletcher Page in the coming days. For more news, I'm at John Hill underscore CJ on Twitter. Uh, until next week, thanks for listening.